Here on the Lollygaggers Podcast, we believe that you should never stop playing with your toys, or with fire, or in traffic, or with yourself. In this episode, Justin begins a new mixer show and plays Titanfall 2, while Jeff roams a beautiful landscape and a new board game by Red Raven Games. Both Lollygaggers then reflect on Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker, and the final movie in the Star Wars trilogy. Welcome to episode number 75 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things, from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, pal? Pal. You're still, you're committing to the pal thing, huh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not your yeah. buddy, pal. Wait, no. I'm not your pal, buddy. What is it? I ain't your guy, friend. I'm not your guy, friend. Oh, man. Uh, I actually have Comedy Central again. Like, I was when I was visiting my folks a couple weeks ago, like they had Comedy Central. We haven't had Comedy Central for, like, years, and all I did was watch South Park. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Uh, so anyway, have you have you been doing uh, you've been doing anything interesting in your in your time off playing anything good? So uh, I recently got involved with Mixer. I was doing Twitch for a long time, but then I moved across country. Like we've talked about a thousand times from uh, Florida to Colorado. When I did that, I lost whatever type of base I may have had. So right. I was like, if I'm gonna start again, I'm, I'm gonna try on Mixer. Worst comes to worst, if it doesn't work out and doesn't work well, I just go back to Twitch. It's like nothing happened. It's not like I really missed out on anything. Mm-hmm. But I thought I'd try it because it's new. Sure. Um, and so I'm over there on uh, Mixer.com slash Jehufa. And usually I do World of Warcraft or I'll do I do some uh, Destiny streams when I play with Gabe and stuff like that. Or we do some raids or whatever. Um, but recently I decided for the holidays to do like a... I guess a series where I'm just playing single player campaigns and then I'm going to start uh, editing them up and putting them onto uh, YouTube as little small uh, actual plays like cool. 15, 20 minute long little videos or nice. doing that. So that's are you, uh, are you going to be taking recommendations or requests for what single player games that you should yeah. play? Cause I have a couple um, in mind. I will. So, uh, but I have, We'll, we'll wait on the scary a- ones. Alien Isolation. Uh, uh, I have a small list right now that I'm okay. I'm trying to get through. The first one I got through, I actually, actually just did, was Titanfall 2. The next one I'm going to do is going to be the second Tomb Raider, because I played the first one, I never played the second one. Okay. The, of, then, the newest, of the newest the newest iteration, right? Like, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Sure. After uh, that, I'm going to Somewhat Spoopy with uh, Doom. Uh, that's going to be <laughs> okay. the, the next one. All right, sure. That's action packed. The only reason why I'm going to Tomb Raider is because Titanfall 2 is is a runner gunner action shooter. So I thought I would slow things down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my next one after that's probably going to be Wolfenstein. Okay. But what I want to talk about is how amazing Titanfall 2 is. Cool. Now, I know this game came out like 10 years ago and it's an older game, but the single player in this game, first off, I got it on uh, the origin store for like maybe I'd say $5 a couple weeks ago. The origin store. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that what, story. yeah, that's what like Mass Effect was on. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I got it a while back because after Apex came out, people were wanting to play it. So they kind of were like pushing to play it because it's basically the same, the same uh, world as Apex Legends on, uh, on EA as well, which is like a battle royale runner shooter type of game where you just, you know, last team to survive wins. So basically, it is a, a sequel to uh, Titanfall 1, which was okay, but never played it, but I always heard great things about Titanfall 2. Um, and I was just wondering how it was. And so I watched someone stream play the other day. I'm like, this is pretty neat. So I tried it out, and it's probably one of the best single-player experiences I've had in a very, very long time. It's Even though it is a, a FPS, and you are limited with the things you can kind of do in FPSs, uh, because, you know, it is like a... You know, it's not like an adventure RPG type of stuff. The play style is very much akin to Apex, um, where there's sliding, jumping, high pass, high, high, high movement, uh, running on the walls like in the Matrix and stuff like that. Like I found myself constantly while I was playing, going do 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 do, and um, it was a thing where like the movements, it's very highly dynamic movement. The guns are are pretty satisfying. And the bigger thing about it is you get these things called uh, Titans, which are giant mechs. And when you're in the mechs, it really does feel like you're in a mech, the way it kind of like presents itself, the way you play. And when you match that up with a storyline that has a lot of heart, good characters, and really interesting bosses, because like the bosses had like all personalities. Now the boss fights weren't terribly 
difficult, but like I only play it on normal because I'm not I don't do that legendary stuff or whatever, like super hardcore mode, because I just want to play the game for fun and not try and, you know, kill myself over it. But the the characters that were the bad guys had all great personalities, but also didn't like steal from the story. The atmospheres were fantastic. The movement's nuts. There's a point in the in the game where you have to shift through times and stuff like that. So it's like there's a, a time anomaly because the whole point of it is that there's this terrorist organization. There's this like organization called IMC who's like a. I guess you can equate them to the Empire. It's very similar to what we're talking about, and uh, they're trying to destroy the rebellion that's going on. And they found some object that helps them alter time, and so they're able to kind of like harness it and destroy things. And you find a device that pops you in and out of diff- of two different times. So there's certain little puzzles you have to do where you have to pop in and out of different time zones, I guess, but the time is like five years in the past and now. And it's just had like a really cool little element. And then you, you pair it with a really cool relationship you create with the Titan that you have, because the Titan you have has a, has a, uh, a personality as the time goes by, because it kind of like adapts. Plus the really great movement. It's just so, it's so fun. I can't recommend this game enough to people who have not played it now i know the game's like 10 years old and i get that i've kind of missed the boat on this but i never played it it was super cheap on ea origin because no one was playing it anymore and i just thought it needed a little bit of praise and you know it's also the first thing in my little series of games i'm doing so i thought i'd talk about it but nice boy oh boy is it fantastic it's just it's just so so fun and being on the, in that mech you just really it feels great and i had i never played in those old mech commander games back in the day but this mm-hmm. is just Warrior and whatnot. Yeah. it's super satisfying just like stepping on people which is <laughs> funny but then also like you get to switch between different types of loadouts and stuff like that and you're flying around and you just really feel like you're just clunking around this big thing it's super super fun so uh titanfall 2 uh it should be super cheap on ea right now is the subtitle electric boogaloo yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of breakdancing with your Titans. So. It's one of the special moves. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and my next one I'll be doing is going to be the Tomb Raider 2, which I have not played. I, I played the first one. I really liked it. It's the, the new generation of them, the new iterations. Um, but it's very much like a Uncharted type of game. Yeah, I mean, or limited, Uncharted limited, is very much like Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's like a limited, ba- limited combat, but mostly you know, somewhat easy puzzles because the puzzles are never like mind bending. They're just kind of like, Oh, I gotta do this, this and this. So I'm looking forward to that. So that'll be next. And I'm, I'm going to make these videos and start putting them up here in the next day or so on our YouTube channel. So hopefully Sweet. we get a little bit more uh, traffic going that way too. trying to uh, diversify what we do. Diversify overall. our plot, so. plat- uh, portfolio, not platform. Yeah, that's perfect. not a word. Our platform. Platform. I like combine platform and portfolio. That's uh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, man, that sounds awesome. Uh, and I don't care that they're old. I like the fact that like revisiting older stuff, you know, I think there's, it's honestly one of the best single player campaigns I've ever played. And very cool. It's a shame because I know the game did not get the love it was supposed to get when it came out that not that long ago. And I, and there hasn't been, I don't know if there's been talks of Titanfall three, but like they, there's plenty of stuff leading to the fact that there could be a Titanfall three. I really hope so. I know the multiplayer was, really popular because it's basically apex but like you know in the style of call of duty so you know it's like a battle arena rather than like a uh not battle arena like a halo clone rather than like a battle arena so either way love the game can't suggest it enough should play it awesome all right so i have not been playing well, any new video games lately, though we have been playing League lately, so that's been fun. But I have been getting some board gaming in. My uh, road to platinum. Do <laughs> okay, it. okay, whatever, buddy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I've been getting some board gaming in, and one of the board games that we've been playing a lot lately is a very small game uh, called Rome, R-O-A-M, uh, by a company called Red Raven Games. It's a company I've talked about a little bit before here and there, a couple different games. Uh, they've had everything from Empires of the Void to Above and Below, Near and Far, and, and a few others. Uh, but Rome is a much smaller title uh, in the sense that it's it's fairly cheap. It's anywhere between 25 bucks if you want to grab it on Amazon or Cool Stuff Inc. or Miniature Market, all the way up to like 35 bucks on at Walmart. So it is available at some uh, non-board gaming or gaming-specific stores. 
because uh, uh, the Red Raven Games has been branching out a little bit into into some of the the bigger stores like Target and Walmart, which is really nice. So it's a game that I backed on Kickstarter uh, earlier in 2019 and delivered uh, just oh, about a month ago, I want to say. Uh, and it's a and again, it's a fairly small small box. It's designed by Ryan Lockett, who is kind of the head of Red Raven Games, and he's also uh, the guy who does the art. He's a little bit of a of a Renaissance man of Underkin, kind of does the designing, the artwork, etc. And the game itself can play two to four players, uh, and it plays really quickly, usually around maybe a half an hour, uh, sometimes 45 minutes if it's uh, particularly intensive or if there's more people. Uh, so it doesn't really take that long, which is really nice because uh, over the weekend we had like a, a, a board gaming day, but we were waiting for and we were going to do a big old Mansions of Madness day, which is like a three to four hour game sometimes. But we were waiting for one of our players to show up and we had like a half an hour to kill. So I'm like, I pulled out Rome and it was great. It was perfect for this. So uh, the game itself takes place in the world of Arzium, which is this fictional world that Ryan Lockett has developed and kind of connects multi- multiple games. Uh, so I've mentioned a few of them before, Above and Below, Near and Far, but also Islebound and City of Iron, which is my favorite of all of his games. He's one of my favorite board game designers, and his artwork is just beautiful. It's kind of like this watercolor, uh, somewhat cartoonish, but not like so cartoonish that it becomes silly. Um, it involves like a, a kind of a, a light accessible fantasy world that is not just humans, but there's like frog people and lizard people and pig people and, uh, and mechan and, you know, mechanical golems and things like that. So it's really accessible. I think kids probably can get into it as well. There's no like crazy violence or, or gore or ugliness or anything like that. So it's something that you can easily play with the family, which is, which be not, which is probably nice around the holidays. So in the game itself, uh, what you're doing, it's got some sort of, uh, I kind of want to say like a Tetrisy component in a way, and that it deals a lot with spatial orientation, uh, but it also is an area control game. So an area control or area majority or influence game, uh, what that means is that there's a certain territory that people are competing to control, and they're using various tokens that they have in their own possession to then uh, signify or represent their control of that territory. So the way the game works is everyone starts with three different adventurers, and you are you are basically controlling these these three adventurers as they explore a, a shared map uh, that's filled with uh, a three by uh, three by two grid uh, of additional cards. So there's like you know two rows of of three cards each that make up like the world that you're exploring. And the and the the theme or the story behind it is that there is a a sleeping sickness that has befallen the land of Arzium and. All of these creatures that have been, you know, that that inhabit this land have been roaming for uh, all over this place. Like they're they're kind of lost, almost like in a fugue state in a way. And you're trying to kind of go out and get them. So your job is to find them, wake them up from whatever it is they were doing, and then kind of recruit them into your little small faction, whatever that might be. Now the there's no like. There's no asymmetry to the game, so everyone starts with like the same three basic characters. Um, but flavor-wise, uh, you know, depending on the color of your choice, you might get like two lizard men and one human, or you might get, uh, you know, you know, one fish person and two humans with white hair. So like, there's some some slight flavor changes when it comes to to the theme there. But ultimately, everyone has kind of like the same abilities, and so the shared world is represented by six cards and on these six these six cards essentially make a a grid okay a grid of six by six so imagine just like a big grid piece of grid paper but like there's there's like artwork there's amazing vastly different biomes of artwork that that this grid is is made of right and your job over the course of the game is to place small little tokens in your color uh, on this board and once a card uh, gets completely filled up with tokens uh, from you or, you know, or some combination of you and your opponents, that card then is considered fully explored because each card is basically a subsection of this giant world of Arzium. Now, the area controller area majority aspect of it is once that card is filled up with all these tokens, whichever person has the most tokens on it, they gain that card into their supply and it allows them to turn the card over. And on the other side of the card, which again, was originally just a map piece, is now a new character that you have found 
dream, you know, sleeping or dream walking through the uh, through the world and you have woken them up and you have brought them into your confidence. And you want to do this because in order to trigger endgame, you need to get to 10 people. So you start with three and so you have to recruit seven more. And so you're all about placing these tokens down on this this gridded map that's split up across all these different cards and trying to collect them and fighting over, you know, who gets to control all of these tokens. Once you do flip them over, like they all have like this wonderful array of like different artwork. Uh, again, some of them can be chickens or dogs or things like that, or chicken people and robots. And some of them can be like weird skeleton people, but like in a kind of goofy, uh, cool looking way. And they all have like little stories, like these little tiny little flavor lines that explain what they were doing and why they were sleeping. Uh, like this one woman I kept recruiting the other day, I think her name was like Laria Fishwalker or Farwalker or something like that. She was constantly like chopping at fish in a river. So she was in a river and like trying to hack them with a machete, which is pretty hilarious. So and then I, I also had the time when I and I recruited a turtle and the turtle was stuck on his back. And that's what he was doing. It was very sad. Now, when you place your tokens down, you can't just like randomly place your tokens anywhere you want. There's a very specific spatial element to the game because each character in the game, including your starting three characters and all of the other characters that you then recruit, can only like you use them to place tokens on the map. Each one of them, each character has their own distinct Tetris shape, okay, for how you can place your 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 tokens down. So like one person like in your starting in your starting group is basically an L. So think of it like three three vertical spots and then one uh, horizontal spot to the right on the bottom. So it's basically an L. And this means that you look at the map and you you can place tokens in that shape and then another one might have just like one spot and then like a a candy corner spot like a little diagonal line someone might have some really really complicated patterns but like over the course of the game you're recruiting new people who all have different patterns that for you placing these tokens down so some of them you know when you play them you might only be able to place two tokens in a very specific shape but others might have like really complex like six or seven different tokens that you can place at once Now, it gets a little bit more complicated because sometimes uh, there are like optional placements, like uh, a a particular character might have like not just a required placement, but also an optional placement that you can choose to place something down or not place something down. And then there's also limitations to how you actually place those tokens. So you have to be able to place the token on the board and you can't like have it like have the, the shape itself be half off the board and half on the board. Like you have to be able to fit that entire shape. Other things can help in the sense that you can like make the shape like if you want to make the L, but you can't find like a full L anywhere on the map, you can kind of use somebody else's tokens to make your L or to make your X or whatever other shape you're making. So this is where like that spatial orientation element is. So there's a six by six grid of the map with all these different biomes split across like six different cards. And then you're using these character cards to put your tokens down on this map in the shape that they have on their own character card. And so as you fill up new map cards, again, you flip them over, get a new character, and that new character can now be used to continue exploring the map. Every time a map card is taken, there's this huge deck of additional map cards that you can then place down. So you're constantly exploring tons and tons and tons and tons of different cards. Uh, That might, I'm not sure if I'm explaining it as well as I could, but it's actually a very simple and easy game to play. Uh, it only took us a few minutes to explain it to, you know, anybody who was playing it over this weekend. So I've played it at two players with my wife. We played it at three and we've played it at four as well. And at all player accounts, I think it works really, really well and it goes really, really fast. Now, there's a couple optional elements that you can add these little like extra rules or variants if you want to make the game a little bit more complex or if you want to add some extra components to it. So there's like an artifact uh, system. So in addition to there being you know, all these different places you can put on the map, you can also buy artifacts that allow you to get like these little extra maneuvers. Because on the map, some of those, some of those little gridded spaces have coins on them, meaning that the first person to place a token down in that location gets those coins. And as you collect coins, you can use coins to actually purchase from a display all these different artifacts. Now, these artifacts are worth victory points. Uh, The different map cards and the new characters are also worth victory points. And these artifacts can do special things. They can allow you to slide a a token that's already on the map, like one space down or one space horizontal, or 
they might allow you to destroy somebody else's token or they might allow you to kind of like refresh a card because every time you use a character to place tokens you have to kind of turn their card over because they're exhausted and then once you once you use all of your characters to explore then you kind of refresh them but sometimes artifacts allow you to kind of like refresh them you know more more easily or cheaply so that's basically the game like that's kind of the whole thing there is another expansion this gem expansion that we have that adds an extra small little map where you're collecting you're collecting gems and like you're putting them on your own little grid but we haven't actually played with that yet i don't so it's a two to four player game yeah it's super accessible it's great artwork all of ryan lockett's games are so so just delightful to look at like they really are like the artwork is just so amazing from the character artwork to the actual environmental artwork on the map cards Uh, so i highly recommend this game it's not very expensive uh it's super accessible uh it's also kind of competitive like we've we've had fairly close games and it plays pretty fast and the the rule book's like four pages long so it's in small and four pages long with big fun doesn't take that long to learn how to play this so I can't recommend this enough. Uh, grab it if you can get a hold of it. Uh, if you've got some uh, some holiday money that you just got, like this is definitely a good place to go with about 25 or 35 bucks. So Rome, Ryan Lockett, Red Raven Games, available now. All right, and then with that, we're going to go ahead and talk about what a lot of people are talking about, and that's Star Wars. It's the movie. Breakdown. Okay, so... Justin and I, this past weekend, we uh, we both went and saw Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it is directed by J.J. Abrams, and it is the the final movie, supposedly. We'll see uh, in the kind of the main the main arc of Star Wars, right? Starting with originally Episode Four with New Hope, and then Empire Strikes Back, etc. Then then the prequel trilogy, and now we've got like kind of the the episode seven through nine, a trilogy, a trilogy of trilogies. Uh, so again, it's directed by JJ Abrams. It's written by Chris Terrio and JJ Abrams. Both of them have screenplay credits. It's got all the same people pretty much that we've seen before. It's got Daisy Ridley as Ray. It's got John Boyega as Finn. It's got Oscar Isaac as Poe. Uh, Adam Driver plays a uh, Kylo Ren, uh, Carrie Fisher, the late great Carrie Fisher. We see her a little bit in here, which was kind of bittersweet. Uh, but then we get like Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Uh, we've got a wonderful Richard E. Grant playing General Pride, I thought, uh, and a few other new folks and new faces uh, that some we see and some we don't. Now, if you recall from the the Last Jedi, uh, the Resistance or Rebellion, whatever you want to call them, is in disarray. Uh, they have suffered a significant loss, and in doing so, they're now trying to recover, and they're playing kind of like a guerrilla war. Uh, warfare strategy they are the the rough and tumble small scrappy group that's trying to go and take out the the first order this this new empire now the the ninth episode begins and this isn't really spoilers if you've seen any of the trailers but if you've been like me and you're avoiding all the trailers and you don't want to hear anything but you might want to close your ears really quick or just stop listening to this review uh but it starts with it's traditional yellow scrawl that establishes kind of the premise, like what's been going on between episode nine and episode, you know, episode nine and episode eight. And that's that the voice of an old, an old foe has started to permeate the galaxy. And that is Emperor Palpatine. Uh, and it's not just, uh, it's not just the, the good folks uh, on the Jedi side of things, but also Kylo Ren who's being haunted. And there's like all these transmissions and there's this, there's this new threat like this this puppet master who has been we can presume has been like putting all these pieces in place over this time. Now Kylo Ren is trying to track down Emperor Palpatine. Uh Rey is trying to sort of figure out like the nature of her relationship with uh with Kylo what that you know connection is, but more importantly she's trying to train as a jedi and the person who's kind of in charge somewhat of her training is carrie fisher is uh is 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 leia uh and that's going kind of okay here and there but for the most part it's you know she's going through the same growing pains that we've seen some other jedi uh struggle with uh so over the course of the movie everyone uh, man this movie tries to cover a ton of ground introduce a couple new characters and really what they're trying to do is figure out a way to prevent the 
the ascension of Emperor Palpatine's new fleet that he has been putting together in secret over the course of these long years since his presumed death uh, that will once again just obliterate the galaxy and control it in the new or the second or the final empire, whatever the hell one it is. So that's kind of like the general gist of it. I don't want to get into any too specific things as I'm sure we'll cover that in our review. So I'm going to throw it to Justin. Uh, Justin, I figure like let's let's just give like a quick summary and maybe like maybe five minutes of discussion in a non-spoiler way, and then let's just go full spoiler because I don't really feel like we, yeah, you know what I mean. Good. So let's like let's just yeah. quickly sum up what you think about the movie for people who haven't you know who haven't seen it yet, and try not to give any major spoilers. Go for it. So overall, I'll give the movie a C minus if I were to give it a grade as a teacher. I thought the pacing was weird and it would never stop to like kind of sit and wait and talk about what's happening. That's kind of my biggest gripe about the movie. Um, but that being said, action sequences were great. I thought that a lot of the stuff that happens in the movie with the actual fighting or the space battles and stuff were fantastic. The special effects are stunning. I don't know how much of Carrie Fisher is special effects, but I'm sure a large majority of it would be. Um, or at least some of it would be, and I couldn't tell what was and what wasn't. So there wasn't that weird yeah. uncanny valley that they had. Like, I'm not really sure point. either. I know IMDb lists like archive footage, so I'm not sure if there was any new like new stuff. And I know uh, they if there was any, I couldn't tell. Uh, so I thought the special effects were fantastic. Um, I think the acting of all the actors and their chemistry is great. Um, specifically, uh, Adam Driver really carries the movie quite well i think he does a great job um and i think daisy ridley what was uh was good i think the uh the like mixture like the the chemistry between like poe and finn are fantastic as well i like the actors i like the acting um but save plot and story that's kind of where it ends for me um mm -hmm. so that's kind of my overall thought Okay. Of, of the movie it's beautiful right. i think the actors are great but there are definitely problems but i'm also going to put on under this whole thing an umbrella of this is a movie about laser swords in space so it's sure. not like we're we're analyzing right. the greatest movie of all time it's it's about swords in space so like everything's gotta be taken with a grain of salt you know what i mean so uh to some degree uh i would have pushback on that but like i i, I think overall i kind of agree my general consensus is that i think this the the movie was fun. It's definitely worth seeing. Uh, it, it it did its best, <laughs> right? I suppose. Um, the way I put it was, it's an impossible task because I think yeah. that this. I don't movie, think it's an impossible task. I think they 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 put themselves into that situation. It was sure, it was no, no, I, it was I, I, an error, and it was it was an unforced error. Like to sure, put them into this and position. I think also part of it has to do with like there's been a perfect storm of things that happened that made what they were trying to do not work out so yeah that's that's what i can think of it so uh so yeah i guess just just to quickly sum up my final thought uh or my my non-spoiler thought is that i think it's worth seeing i think it's an it's an enjoyable time but ultimately i do think it's a mess of a movie uh but i also think it's somewhat of a mess of a trilogy that has had some wonderful bright spots uh but also some really frustrating spots because you look at this and think of what could have been and that's my biggest, the, the biggest concern I have. Is it, is it, are they decent movies? Yes, of course they're decent movies, including this one, but what could have been? And that's sort of where I'm at. Like I, I'm appreciating for what it is and I'm trying to focus on the positive. So that's going to be it for us in terms of non-spoiler stuff. So at this point we are shifting gears and we, and nothing is sacred at this point. We are going to just discuss it and throw it out. So if you do not want to be spoiled about what happened in episode nine, do not continue listening. So you have been you have been suitably warned. So Justin, um, what would you say? Like like there are a lot of different frustrations. So like I mentioned a second ago, like to me, I I watch this movie and I think like it's just a mess. Like there are so many things that it's I just a mess. I just can't. It's, it's the I, best yeah. way to describe it. It is. It is. It's a mess because like one, it, one of the things I told my wife is like someone was in the writing room was like and then this happens and yeah. then this happens and then this happens and there's no like connective tissue between the moments. Or no moments to let you kind of simmer on what just happened. Right. And that kind of, that bothered me a lot. So like, let's, I mean, I don't even know how to organize this conversation. So like, one of the things that the movie starts out with is this notion that in the scrawl, 
that Palpatine is back. And and that's I mean, if any if you caught any of the trailers, if you even looked at a freaking movie poster, you knew that was a thing. Right. But until until now, like Palpatine wasn't really part of the story. And for so long, it was like Snoke and Kylo Ren and Snoke and Kylo Ren. Da, 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 and all of a sudden, Palpatine out of nowhere. Like, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about Palpatine? So here, here's, here's what I think it is. So Ryan Johnson did a great job with Knives Out. I think he is a great director and, mm. and film writer. I just don't know if he was the best choice for this particular uh, situation. For Last franchise. Jedi? Or for, yeah, okay. for, for Last Jedi. For, to be stuck in the middle of this whole thing. Right. I don't know if he's the best choice for that thing. You know what I mean? Right. But when you mix uh, nostalgia with, uh, I guess, subversion of expectations, it really screwed up i think anything they had kind of going in the first movie so like the first movie is like this is what's going on this is what's going on and then ryan johnson's like nope it's not and then immediately in this movie there's retconning retconning right. like right at the beginning the retconning is so like, really frustrating um and it's, it's like it's immediately, rude, and it's really cringy at times like there was a line by uh by charlie from lost that's how i always remember him uh but dominic monaghan uh he was in this like yeah, this little pennies, but... little bit part um, but he was just like, we need some, we need some like crazy, like Admiral Holdo shit, right? Because like referencing uh, Laura Dern's character of Ad- Admiral Holdo in, in episode episode eight, when she did like the whole hyperspace blow up the fleet movement, right? And they're like, no, 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 that's a once in a million thing. I feel like that's just like a, like that's a retcon or like trying to steer it back. Uh, so yeah, like, I totally it's, agree. It's, like they're retconning and stuff. It's, it's super cheesy and super frustrating, but I do disagree with you. I actually think Ryan Johnson made the best movie of the three like i i look at now that i've seen all three of these movies like i wish jj abrams wasn't in charge and that's that hurts because no, I, I like jj abrams i i don't, I don't think to me if 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 jj abrams was in charge of the whole thing i feel like we would have had a perfectly fine and coherent trilogy that we would quickly forget about like that's like the, the, that's what i, I feel don't like. disagree with you i think you're right in your what you're saying about ryan johnson making the best of the three However, when you dip them into the middle of it, it breaks up any of the coherency, like sure. you're saying, of what was going on. Like you said, J.J. Abrams would have made a bland. It would have been fine. Uh, like it would have been totally movie. fine. It would have been. It would have yeah. been fine. It would have been, been fun by the, uh, by the numbers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It would have been great to look at. Okay, it would have been an exciting, uh, you know, two hours when you're in the theaters. You probably would have picked it up one of these weekends when you're when it was on TNT or something like that. But you don't. It, to me, like it wouldn't have been a movie that transcended anything. It would have been safe. Very safe, much like uh, much like uh, the first one was a uh, was very safe. Right, uh, restart of the right of the movie. Series. I always use like the phrase palate cleanser for Force Awakens because I feel like there was a lot of bad taste in people's mouth because the the prequel didn't go really well. But here's the thing, though, like I don't, I'm not blaming Johnson, I'm not blaming Abrams. What I'm blaming is a lack of like a kind of coherent vision for what's supposed to happen in these. Yes, absolutely. And you don't need absolutely. the same director because here's the thing: the original trilogy wasn't directed by the same person every time like it, they were di- different directors like the the only one that actually had like a kind of co- like that kind of collective thing like the first the the, the the episodes one to three like george lucas was in control and they were the worst ones so like i think opening up and allowing other people with good vision and wanting to push the story push the boundaries of the stories but is you great. have to have a driving force but i don't the think thing. the like, problem the, like a kevin, a kevin feige you know what i mean yeah like a guy who has a vision the problem wasn't ryan johnson the problem was jj abrams being in charge of the last movie because jj abrams didn't want or didn't like or i'm not sure i i don't know what his thinking is but it felt to me like there was a lot of stuff happening in this movie that felt like they were trying to course correct or they were they were crumpling to to internet pressure, right? Like to, to I think it's a lot minority. of it. I think I think they really were trying to appease the masses because there was such a blowback from the Last Jedi. Even though I don't think it's a bad movie, it's just not what people expected, you know? Right. And so, like, I think they were like, "Well, we got to finish this." Well, let's try and appease. But like, you try and please some, you're gonna piss off others. Like, there's no happy. Like, the big thing about this movie right now is like, half the people hated it, half the people loved it. And the fact that you would hate a movie doesn't make any sense. It was entertaining and fun. Was it the perfect ending? No. But like, I didn't like leave it being angry. The only movie I've done that for is Wolverine and X Men Origins because that movie's garbage. Yeah. Right? And we can all yeah. agree that movie's garbage. It's right? a weird like. There's something weird going on because if you look at 
if you look at the rise of Skywalker, I'm, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes, and I understand that Rotten Tomatoes is not like the end all be all, but it is some it's some sort of numbers, right? It's a number system that we can try to look at, like in some some you know some metrics, right? Its tomato meter count is 56, percent right? That's the lowest of all of the new trilogy. Comparatively, the Last Jedi is 91, percent and that's the tomato meter. But then look at the audience score, right? The audience score for rise uh, for Rise of Skywalker is 86, percent Whereas the audience score for The Last Jedi is 43%, right? So I think what we're looking at here is a situation of who are these movies for? What are you looking to get out of them? And so if you're going to these Star Wars movies because you just want the stuff that you've had like this whole time, if that's what you want out of these movies, it's just, just give me the same type of stuff that I've had this whole time, but just touch it up, make it look a little better, a little bit more modern and show me new, some new faces then I think that The Force Awakens and I think that The Rise of Skywalker has done t- done what you want. Like they have given you largely what you want. But if you're a person who's going to these movies and you're looking for something new, you're looking for iteration on what's come before, or if you're looking for a more like bold or interesting vision, then I don't think you're getting that from yeah, Force there, Awakens, right? But you're getting that from Last this. Jedi. You get that from Last yeah. Jedi, but not the other two. And so like there's that strange things like, And I know a lot of people boil it down into like, is, you know, the concept of fan service. Like, I think you can have some fan service because we're still going to have, you know, we're still going to have lightsaber duels and stuff like that. Right. It's just a question of don't let the audience like don't let Twitter, don't let don't let Facebook and all these different hashtag people like control what, you know, which characters get together or control like which characters, you know, get to actually get the most screen time, you know, like. And I feel like a lot of that is what was happening in the last in the last uh, the last of these movies. I, I think I think it's very apparent, like in that Rose character, you know, she who got was screwed over not, in this last movie. And I'm so I feel so bad not for her. Existent. Like that's ridiculous. Yes, I know. And she was I I thought she was a fan, a fantastic character. Now I I I I have grown to love the last Jedi when initially I was really, I was really reluctant with it. But over time I've come to really, really appreciate it. And the fact that she was basically nothing in this is so frustrating. Like, are you kidding me? Like she was just nothing. And then the other thing is like, we've got like my other, my other issue with this one in terms of if we're, we're going to focus on characters for a minute is I felt that we, we had new characters, this, this, uh, this movie, we had Carrie Russell played Zori, who is uh, kind of a little bit of Poe's backstory. And then we have Naomi Aki, who played uh, Jana, and both of them, they're in the movie, like in this final movie. But like I, I and they both seem like interesting characters because Carrie Russell's character is some sort. She's got, you know, she's got a mask on. She she's has like a, a smuggler, smuggler yeah, type. Right. And then you know, Naomi Aki's, Aki's character, like she's a former stormtrooper and like a bunch her and a bunch of other stormtroopers. Much like Finn, they said, the hell with it. We're not doing this anymore. And they, a whole group of them, were like on a planet together. And it was like a key component to the movie, right? Boy, what wonderful, interesting characters. It would have been nice if we actually got to, got some time to explore them. But like they really just were like, hey, we're here. And then we're not really going to do anything with them. And that was really frustrating. I was just like, why are they just showing up now? Like, yeah, that's the thing where it's like they, they have this possibility to create really interesting storylines with these ancillary characters, but they do nothing with them. So in the end, all the outside characters were pointless and had no point. Yeah. Like Poe, Finn and Rose. They weren't pointless. They just were, they just were underdeveloped. I mean, that's the thing. Like they just, they had a point, right? The point of Janna was to demonstrate that Finn wasn't alone and that there were other people, good people willing to say no to the empire or to the first order, you know? And then the point of, you know, of Carrie Russell's character was to sort of hint at like there was a more complex backstory to Poe than rather him just being the goody two shoes like Flyboy, right? So, you know, I don't know. Like it, it just it was two and a half hours long, this movie, and they tried to put a lot of stuff in it. And in doing this so could have been it, a full season of a TV show. Yeah. So much. And like you could have so much and, and this is where like the whole vision is lacking like there wasn't a coherent vision because like these are interesting characters and you wait until the last minute to throw them in but why couldn't have they been in sooner right i think about the original trilogy or the characters you did develop right let's just throw them away and not talk about them ever right again. exactly right with rose yeah, or throw away. Right. where she was 
the entire side story of the yeah, movie. Yeah, she was huge. She was we'll essential. Like three minutes in the movie, and yeah. and and like part of me, and I, and I get, I get kind of, I get really bummed out by it because there's a lot of like the reaction to her was like there are a variety of reasons people reacted poorly to her. One one of the reasons people reacted poorly to her is because they felt like her story seemed useless, right? Because because of like the plot elements of like, oh, we need to go get blank. But if people just would have communicated with each other, there wouldn't have been any need for it, right? But then there was just it was just racist. Like that's the other thing. It was just flat out racist. There was like awful yeah. stuff. And it's I'm just like, like, what are you doing? Not and like, like it's ugh. it's crazy. Where it's like, do you think she has any control over? <laughs> it's just, she tried out for a Star Wars movie. Leave this lady alone. Like what's wrong? With I know. You? And like like, they, and like the it, people, it got oh, so man. visceral with her. So bad. what people did to her, and then to come out in the last movie and just completely like I think the nerdist just had a write up too, and I haven't read it yet, but I saw it kind of saying the same thing like the this last movie the rise of skywalker kind of failed her and i i mean it did like and and if there was a coherent vision from the beginning then you kind of know like okay well these are the characters that we want to have and recur because think about it in the very first movie we knew who the characters were like we knew who the the core the core big three were we had so you know han leia and luke were like the core big three but obviously Chewie and and c-3po and r2d2 etc were there as well then in Empire Strikes Back, Empire Strikes Back, what happened? We get another important character, and Lando comes out, but then he gets to come back in Return of Jedi and still be relevant in, in Return of the Jedi in, in some capacity. But I feel like they put too many characters in, right? Like they have like three yeah, or four. It's, and then, just, it's just too much. So, it's just so many things to try and serve. If they could have, if they could have paid it, to, yeah. you know, if they had that coherent vision, they could have better like. All they added in, in in Return of the Jedi was the Ewoks. That's all they added. Like, <laughs> which were also in this movie, too, which is kind of funny. Yeah. So here's my plot holes I wanted to talk about. I think characters, I think we covered it pretty well. So there's so many. And I watched the movie, and I kind of was, I took some time. Then on the drive home, we went to the Alamo Draft House, which, by the way, Alamo Draft House, superb <laughs> service. Fans Colorado. of the show, apparently. Yeah. yeah, they're so good. Uh, so I, as I'm going home with my wife and I'm talking in the car, it just more and more things kept popping in my head, like, well, what about this? So first thing, all right. So I put many, many, many plot holes. Okay. Okay. First one, the, the retcon right off the bat with uh, the fact that, oh, she's not who you think she is. <laughs> Palpatine, out of, Palpatine out of nowhere makes no sense to me. I understand no why they did it. I mean, between, yeah, because they scrambled. They scrambled. Because they're, they're like, they're like uh, we need a villain. Um, uh, who do yeah. we have? Oh, Palpatine. And like, and I get it because there's like logic there. I'm not gonna say like it's not logical. They did establish in the prequels that he 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 knew the secret to you know preventing death. Like, sure, yeah. But you threw it in the trilogy. So really just off jammed screen. In there. <laughs> At the last minute, like I'm, yeah. if you wanted Palpatine to be the puppet master behind it all, I feel like you should have been peppering e- one of two things. This is this is what I this is what, what I was saying. Like I have two two ways I think it would have made sense. One, either pepper it through a little bit more seriously and commit to it, knowing that that's what it's going to be in the end, or make it a Scooby Doo reveal. Like like that's the it's one of those two things. Now I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of like let's pull the oh, mask man, off. What? Ah, yeah. But at the same time, at least like there's that shock and surprise, right? We didn't even yeah, get no, that. I agree, I agree with you. We get the freaking, we get the scroll. Like it happens off yeah. screen. And so, uh, yeah. Like, or at least it would have been awful. like, you think it's Palpatine or maybe it's something else, you know, where like, yeah. like an old switcher. All right. So next one. Uh, how the hell are these two connected? It's that's the most stretched. You mean, me you mean movie. Kylo and, and uh, yes, Ray? They, they are not connected in any way. And Here's what I think happened. I think the original idea was they're twins, and they were they were both the children of Han and Leia, but it was too predictable. And then they were like, "Ah, we gotta switch up, making something else." There's no other reason why they are connected. They said a line of, yeah. "We're we're two sides of the same coin." How? You're the son. You're the grandson of Darth Vader. She's the granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine. Right, they're not really connected. They're just—he's just. The <laughs> well, no, they were master and whatever. Yeah, but still, there's, by, there's by nothing blood, there. Yeah. yeah, like that. I don't get. Like you, you think about okay, so like you think about like you think about Luke and Leia. They're twins, right? So maybe that's too obvious. They already did that before, but they already did a lot of stuff before. So, but or you think about why does why does like Leia or why does uh, uh Luke like feel Obi Wan over time because he was his master for a period of time? Why does Luke and Vader feel each other because they're father and son. There's a connection there, right? There's no connection between these two. Why does Finn all of a sudden have abilities and force powers to sense the things that are happening to his friends? 
they, there's no connection there. He's not, he doesn't have any study in the force. Like none of it makes well, any sense. Okay. So I have, I mean, like if I'm going to try to defend it, if I'm going to play devil's advocate here. So like what I would say in terms of Finn is I do think that there have been hints potentially that he might be force sensitive. I think a lot of people in the very first movie, the force awakens, were wondering if he was force sensitive or, you know, he did pick up the, the lightsaber at one point and start fighting the guy. So like I'm fighting Kylo. So like, I'm not, and I'm fine with that. And especially since Carrie, you know, Carrie Fisher's character of Leia, she she ended up being force sensitive, but very late in her age, and that kind of showed up late. And then now she's like training, she's training Ray, and we're getting like this little flashback, which we don't get very often in Star Wars, of her actually doing her own Jedi training, right? So like the notion of somebody developing force force sensitivity at a later age, like in their twenties or something like that, is established. Like there's there's precedent for that. Then I would say with the other thing, their connection, I, yeah, I get it. Like they're not connected in terms of their their relations to one another, to their blood. But I think that two sides of the same coin is the idea of one of them has, is like the, the chosen one of the Sith and one of them's like the chosen one of the Jedi, right? Like that's kind of the idea. And that the goodness of, of Han and the goodness of Leia managed to, to keep, you know, the, the, the chosen Sith you know, water carrier from, from actually following through. So like I I guess like that's that's how I would explain it. Now, for me the bigger point is that and this is this is if we're talking like about retcons that kind of annoyed us is the fact that she is Palpatine's granddaughter was so disappointing to me. Like I was so sad. Yeah. I love on top. Uh, I love the idea that she, that she was just a, a person. I love like the message yeah, no, of like last that. Jedi was so great. It doesn't yeah, matter anyone, who you are. Exactly. And like She's who she is. It doesn't like her, who, her strength and who she is. Uh, and I'm talking about Ray here is based on her, her choices and her abilities and what she's done in her life. Not, oh, she just happens to be the granddaughter of one of the most destiny. powerful, you know, like it's, it's like it was so wonderful. Thing. And we then about destiny oh, last man, week, right? Yeah, yeah the we whole did. Of this predetermined non-choice linear way of doing things. Yeah. Like the, I like, like you said, I like the idea of, She's just a nobody. She's but just you know what a nobody yeah. can create change. And that was it's like the, the whole story message of, like, of the second one. Because, the Hobbit and yeah. all that stuff. Remember the last the last image of The Last Jedi? I'm not sure if you remember it, but it's the kids sweeping. Yeah, the little kid, yeah. And like, and that was a great message. And there were elements of that message in this final movie, which which is like other people showing up to help eventually, but that there was there were good people out there willing to do it. And then Jenna, like Naomi Aki's character, again, being the same thing. And even... Even to some to a lesser degree, like Carrie Russell's character, like like trying and helping and doing the right thing at the right point, like there that was being reinforced. But then the other thing of like it doesn't matter; you don't have to be tied to this blood lineage to be important. And there was nothing that ha- happened, by the way. Like her being the granddaughter meant so little. Like I get that there was like this one line, like that where they said, "Well, you know, Leia knew the whole time that she was Palpatine's grand, you know, granddaughter, and she trained her anyway because it doesn't matter because she saw the good one. Okay, I'm like, fine. I mean, that's your defense. Like, that's literally the line you put in the movie to defend what you've done. The fact that you know that you have to put that line in there to me suggests that you're you're self conscious that you think this is a bad idea, and it is because the idea that was coming before it was actually. It was rough, man. But at the same time, I like the fact that, like, choose your own destiny, man. Like, choose who right, you so are. I, guess, you I got some more for you. Okay, go for it. Next one. Why does there need to be a ground force to take out the satellite on the ground? Could you explain that to me? Because I don't understand that at all. Yeah, I mean, they can shoot at it from a ways yeah. away. Yeah. I they, mean, from a very far distance because lasers yeah. go in a straight line. They do. Yeah. That, and, then that, and on top of that, why can't they, they said they transferred the stuff to their flagship, right? And it took like 10, 10 trans- seconds and took 10 seconds. Yeah. Why couldn't they transfer it yeah. to a different ship? Just keep passing that or, shit around. It's hot potato, to man. all the ships. Yeah. To all the ships, right. Jeffrey. It doesn't make any sense. The, right, like, so that one. Yeah. Well, because that's, that's, how, that's how Star Wars works, right? Like Star Wars works by saying, here we have a ridiculously overwhelming, stupidly, unimaginably powerful weapon or, 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 or fleet in this case. That if it ever had the chance to really be used, man, it would obliterate everything. But, oh, shit, we have this one tiny little thing that we totally didn't think too hard about that's going to completely underdo it. 
Communication is just two cans connected by a wire. And so, so yeah, and this one it's just like, oh, the gravity of this of this you know this planet is such that they need help with their navigation systems to get out, and so that's what's going to screw them up. And that's that's how we blow up the Death Star. I mean, that's how we destroy the fleet. Uh, I mean, that's right, how so you know it's all MacGuffin crap. Why couldn't she wait twenty minutes for the Falcon to get her onto the uh, Death Star? Yeah, it wasn't like she had to wait three days. It wasn't like it was only she gets the item and it's done and ready and ready to go pick her up. So it's just causing stupid conflict for no reason. That's the next one. My next whole section is based on Palpatine. Okay. Okay. Uh, was he a hundred when he had his kid? And so does that mean some lady had sex with him when he was all gross faced after uh, uh, what's his name uh, Samuel Jackson <laughs> Sam- morphed his face? Yeah. So is that what, or either that or is is Ray a million years old? Like I'm really confused about the timeline and the logistics of this. It doesn't make any sense. Another big thing about Palpatine is why would his son defect? If your father is the leader of the universe and you were raised that your father, yeah, of the galaxy, you're raised that your father's nothing but correct. Okay. Why would you defect? And, or his, his, I don't know if it was his son or his daughter, or why would not his son or daughter be the one that is supposed to be part of the prophecy? Why does it have to be Ray? Because the, because that's how the ages work out. Right. Oh yeah, you're right. My bad. That's how the ages right. work out. So like the ages do work out. Like the like as a grandchild, the, I think the age makes sense for Ray, because Ray. Well, why couldn't is his 20. daughter or his son be the one that inhabits his power? Because they're it dead. Have to be her. Because they're dead. Yeah, but why wouldn't he just do the same thing with his son or daughter that he was just doing with Ray? Because they weren't force sensitive. Maybe I mean I, I don't know. Like. Like the idea of force sensitivity, like, is it passed down from and like we we have ample evidence to suggest that there there's it, it's sort of based upon lineage and blood, just you know like whatever. But I don't know, man. And then we all, we this? also have Anakin Isn't Skywalker, who was Jesus, right? He was he was born without, yeah. you know, whatever. If my grandfather's Hitler, does that mean I have to also be Hitler, Jeffrey? Is that what has to happen in this situation? I don't no know. No matter what, I'm sealed by fate. Let's ask Fred Hitler. Hitler. Yeah, what, what happened with Grandpa, man? Oh, um, Steve Hitler. <laughs> I think he was wrong. Uh, and then we move on. So that's another one. Uh, where the hell does he get the resources for his army? Um, yeah. did, they, did he conjure people out of thin air Yeah, and resources? And Well, he had a and, bunch of those weird metals. like cult people with him. So Yeah, but yeah. Like, are they, I guess they're all clones. I don't know what they were. I assume they were just like cultists. There you go. And like the the... The Star Destroyers were retro, but all of the uniforms were First Order style. Yeah. Wouldn't they also look the same as the retro? I don't know. Maybe Anyways, the tailoring uh, department was a little, you know, they, they was, sure. that was the last thing they did. Maybe that's what they did. Uh, when the hell was the dagger made? Right. If it's an ancient dagger, yep. how would it know that, that the, the Death Star would Death be Star crashed? Would explode and, yeah. in a specific mm-hmm. way. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, mm-hmm. and also the biggest thing kind of annoying me about the movie is anyone who had something significant happen to them, Chewie's death or C-3PO's mind wipe, mm-hmm. it immediately went away seconds later. Yeah. It reminds me of Arrow where like yeah. Felicity goes paralyzed in Arrow. Sorry for throwing that for people that weren't ready for this. She goes paralyzed in Arrow. Three episodes later, she walks again. Yeah. It removes any type of stakes or importance. Stem cells, the man. Come on. In the movie. Yeah. It's just, it, re- it removes any type of emotion or, or, or thought. Like, no, I totally agree. The I, yeah. And then, like, yeah. Yeah. but then here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Imagine this. How would you feel if that was really how Chewbacca died? Yeah, kind of like an right? off-screen thing. I would hate yeah. that. I would be so mad. I'm like, no, 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 no. He just like I'm, I'm, I'm fine with Chewbacca dying, and I was fine with Han Solo dying, right? But let's have it a meaningful and interesting death that we actually see it on screen, like like they deserve it. Now Chewbacca doesn't die, obviously. Like that's that's Justin's whole point. But I, I can't disagree and with that. Jedi's right? it's fan heal, service, right? Obi-Wan Obi Wan didn't heal Qui Gon Jinn. Well, not by. not every Jedi knows every power. It's like I mean that that actually is established because the whole idea of blue glowies wasn't something that most Jedi's knew until Qui Gon Jinn rediscovered it, and that was established in 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 the final one of the of the the prequel trilogies, uh, in a conversation between Yoda and Obi Wan. Uh, Yoda says that he that, that Obi-Wan, and this is Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan, has much training to do because Qui-Gon Jinn, his old master, discovered a new technique, and that was how everyone can now blue glowy. 
So I, I'm fine with that. And not everyone can do force lightning and not everyone can do, you know, can do the jump, the force jump, because there were times in which like Ray was struggling while going through Ray's the Death Star. Ball rug, I guess. She has lots and lots of well, powers. No, she doesn't have force jump, which would have really helped her in certain cases within the Death Star. She the did. She Death jumped Star. really high during the fight on the crumbled Death Star. She but she didn't do like the like super fast one that Luke did in Empire Strikes Back to like jump out of the out of the pit where he, you know, where he falls into the. She also doesn't have super thing. speed like they have in Phantom uh, yeah. Menace. So, so, I mean, whatever. Like, I, I'm I'm perfectly fine with accepting the fact that some some Jedi have access to certain things and some Jedi don't have access to the other and Sith and all that kind of stuff. So, I'm I'm perfectly fine with accepting. The the, the best way I can describe this movie, I think it was doomed for mediocrity, and and right. I think it's because of the lack of vision, the untimely deaths of those who were involved. And the lack of motivation for some of those who were involved. Like, I don't think Harrison Ford necessarily really wanted to be there when he was there. He well, Harrison just, Ford, like, I mean, I know that Harrison Ford he, overtime. He's classically not liked the series. Like, well, Harrison Ford has always said he's willing. By the second one. He said he would, he said he was willing to come back as long as, as long as Han Solo got, you know, got a, got a death. And so he came back and he got his death. Right. But I mean, land and then Lando shows up in this one, et cetera. But one of the things I always wonder is, and one day maybe we'll have a middle prequel like how did things go so wrong right and if remember this end of return of jedi we're on the forest first moon event and whatever we're cel- we're celebrating with little teddy bears everyone's happy we're we're we're, we're using uh we're using stormtrooper helmets as bongos everything's great we got a, we got a bunch of young young leaders right young leaders the Emperor's down. Darth, you know, Darth Vader's down. How did things go so wrong? One day, maybe we'll find that out. Yep, yep. <laughs> thanks for the, thanks for the musical accompaniment. Um, I mean, uh, man, I there's so many things like I want to talk about with this, and like, and I, I gotta stress here, like. I, I still enjoyed. I it. still enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. like 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 I like, still enjoyed the film. Right. Like I'm it not. It was fine. But like yeah. after further diagnosis, I'm like I gotta talk to Jeff about this. So well, no, really even watching it, like even watching, it, I'm just like, ooh, jeez, like I cringed. Like there, I actually had so physical cringy. Yeah, I actually had physical cringy. Like things happen, and they're like, ah, eh, forget about. It. We're doing this now. And it's just like, eh. right. Like how did they just? No, 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 no. Uh, they're like C3PO. He's pretty funny. He's not even making jokes. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, eh, whatever. So like, I've heard, so. I've heard some people make the comment, like, know who it's for, right? And I've seen more than one person say, like, it doesn't matter what we think of it. It just, it, it, as long as kids think it's good, and my kid thinks it's good, it's, it's good. The kid paid for my seventeen dollar ticket. Yeah, that's I, my question. Well, no, <laughs> that's fair. But okay, here, here's here. I have a couple responses to that. Well, first of all, I don't think Star Wars is just for kids. Like, I think it's it's abundantly clear over that that it has been at the center of of much of our popular culture for for almost fifty years, right? Since the seventies. So the suggestion that this is only for like young people is kind of absurd. And then when you have like 20 years in between each trilogy and like you're having people come back, like that's absurd. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to make movies for adults all the time. When you, you parade have, yeah. out your geriatrics, this is not just for children. Anymore. Well, no, I mean, Billy the, D. Williams, they brought out on his walker <laughs> for this. All right. My point was more along the lines of, we have many examples of of movies, of films that are accessible across multiple generations, and they still manage to be a coherent and intelligent film, right? I mean, Disney alone has the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where most of those movies are excellent. Like, there's a couple stinkers that are, you know, that aren't, aren't so great, Thor 2, etc. But, like, most of those movies are great, and they're accessible, and they're coherent, right? And that's my biggest issue with the whole the whole final the final three movies here is that the lack of kind of a coherent thing. Not so much that there's different voices or different directions or different tones from movie to movie, because that was How the case. How many different tones and directors are there in Marvel? Lucas and there Ivan Ryan. Oh no, yeah, absolutely for sure. It's just the fact that they seem to be fighting with one another, right? And that and that they there is there isn't there's a lack of boldness to it. I still think you could have presented a movie that appealed to a large range of audiences. And I think that's what Star Wars has been in the past. That's one of the reasons why Star Wars is so transcendent is because it appeals to multiple audiences. It's not just appealing to children and it's not just appealing to adults. It's appealing to all of them. It's trying to do that. And I just don't think these films 
did a good enough job of that. Now, kids are loving it. Great. But there's a lot of movies that when I was a kid, I loved. But then 15 years later, I watched them again. I'm like, what the hell was I smoking back then? Not that I was. The prequels are about trade negotiations. Right. So That's what kids are super into. I I guess. They love trade politics. (laughs) So I guess just like my point is, is that don't don't shut out people just because they want to discuss it like like think of like what we're doing here like we're having this huge discussion and this is from two people who actually genuinely i mean i actually like the movie i I mean i don't know if eh, i'd probably give it a b maybe b minus something like that right like it it was a tall task what it was trying to do and i think but the mistakes i think of this movie are largely because of the mistakes they made because of this the disconnection between force awakens and last jedi I think Last Jedi is the better movie, but if you wanted to go the Force Awakens route, you should have done. You should have had that ready to go, that that blueprint ready to go for the second. You should one. have had a beginning, middle, and end for it, and not brought in someone who who doesn't play by those rules. Apparently, with this with this formula, like if you want to do if you want to do that, have J.J. Abrams do all three. Or and, and, and uh, again, and that's not what I would have preferred. I think I I and I and people, you know. It depends on who you talk to, man. Like it, it's they're they're Own really divisive. The it's, situation. It's, it's pretty. It's it's it, to me. It's amazing how divisive it is. I think there's general consensus that that the that the prequel trilogies were definitely not good, right? Like the, I still think Clone Wars is the best. You movie gotta you gotta just the Clone Wars isn't the name of the movie. It's Attack of the Clones. No, it's the Clone. No, it's, it's Clone not. Wars. Clone Wars is a television show. Clone, but, Clone Wars to Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> so. I don't know, man. Like ultimately, I think the movie is definitely an enjoyable watch, but a mess. And it's a mess of their own making. The the movies themselves could have been better, but I was nonetheless satisfied. I was satisfied with how the story worked out. I I had no problem with the ultimate end. I like seeing Ray at her strongest. I wish that her her empowerment wasn't because she was related to Palpatine, but simply because she just in her own was powerful and chose the right path as opposed to like the destiny crap. What did you think about Kylo Ren? I thought the disappearance was weird, but I don't think he's got any he's, way out of They out put him in that. such like, a He had his redemption man. moment. Like, yeah, he killed yeah, billions man. of people. You can't like, come there's, back there's from that. There's nothing this guy like, can hey, do let's about get it. Mar- yeah. But like, so like his redemption arc, okay. And I get why you can't have him do that. So here, here, here's my thoughts. Here's how I thought it okay. should have ended. Okay. This is director, writer, Justin producer, Buzz. Justin, Justin Buzz. Okay. And uh, I need to get a chair for this to and like okay. a little megaphone. All right. But uh, the way I think it should have been done through is they're twins. And that the prophecy of Darth Vader is that he did bring balance to the force. But first he had to put it in darkness for it to get there. That those two are two sides of the same coin. She the dark, he the dark, she the light. And that through their understanding of one another are able to either nullify each other out by going to hermitcy or something like that or, or living out their lives away from the world and eradicating the way of the Jedi and the Force, right? Or that they remove each other's powers in some way, shape, or form. So that truly brings balance because now there's no balance. Yeah, There's one side. And one can make the argument that the Jedi. I've are just always as bad made that argument. So they're not just as so the bad. Like, that's a false equivalency, it's, but they're it's bad. Jealousy. It's jealousy. Right. You know, it's it's one it's a side religion. Or the other. Like, that's so the like, thing. Like the Jedi is a religion. For, for, yeah, <laughs> this idea of belief. So for me, it's like that's just the way the Sith do their 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 life, right? They 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 kill. It's a is the problem is that they turn it into genocide and, and tyranny and whatnot. If yeah, they could yeah, just yeah. be like, you know, hey, I just like being super in touch just with my emotions. Be, be that's chill, cool. bro. That's fine. Be yeah. super chill. And like with you, your, you with take your out stuff. your anger at like a you know like a kickboxing class. Like that's fine. Like just do that. Yeah, I, some Pilates. <laughs> I think. Out. Yeah, but like for me, I think that's the best way you do it. Is like you find a way that yeah. these two nullify each other to get rid of everything. Now I see that they kind of signified her neutralness by her lightsaber at the end, which is almost like a, it's a thing kind of referring to Knights of the Old Republic that they do that the, the MMO and stuff. They have a the whole group of people that are neither dark nor light, which I and get it because she is a complicated and complex yeah. character. But like for me, it's like, you know, you don't have to kill him. I would have been okay with that. But he can't go back I would to okay with, him. I'm okay, I'm I'm okay, okay with, with both dying. of them dying and the forced stopping. I would have loved yeah, that ending. just... Living in the power of the, the people, which was the, the original story, which is like the the nobody, the, the someone who's been nothing their whole life can rise and be something great, not because of their lineage, but because 
of who they are and who, who they fight for, which is what they were doing with Ryan Johnson's story. And then he's like, yeah. eh, forget. So that's, that's I would end it, it, you know, somewhat similar. Like, I, I definitely can see, I, I would have ended it with the force being done one way or the other. And that was it. Like, it's, it's no longer can you use the force as a crutch as a way to kind of blame or enable your tyranny. And no longer can you use it as a crutch as a thing that's going to save you. Like, it's now. It's now up to the galaxy itself to find some, you know, some sort of self-empowerment like that. That's what I would have done in some way. Uh, I don't know the specific details, but like that kind of idea. Um, but I mean, we, we've been talking for a while on this. And again, we're just chatting like we don't hate the movie. We're not trying to hate. We're just we're, we're talking about it for so much because we love Star Wars. And honestly, the movie yields this kind of conversation. Uh, but if you're still with us, thanks for sticking with us through this nonsense. But I'm going to have to go. I have to do a bunch of hate speech on Twitter to different people. <laughs> movie. So it's, it's funny because it's true. Uh, but uh, go see it. It's star Wars. Uh, and now, um, now start the star Wars franchise is in the, I think capable arms of baby Yoda. So there we go. I mean, he's truly our savior. He's the one that brings the balance. He really is. Uh, I do think we probably have to kill him too. If we want the force to go away, but that's going to be kind of hard. Uh, all right, so that's it. Uh, go watch it. Good movie, but not without its flaws. But sometimes they're, you know, who cares? Just go watch it and have fun and enjoy the ride. Uh, and so that's it for us. Uh, we are the Lollygaggers. Uh, you can find us on uh, thelollygaggers.com. Uh, that's where we, you can get all of the episodes of this podcast and also our sister podcast, Adventures in Lollygagging. Uh, you can also catch me on Twitter at lollygaggerco if you uh, if you have anything that you want to add to the conversation. If you got any uh, board games or comics that you think uh, I should be peeking at or Justin should be peeking at, uh, maybe we could talk about uh, on the show. Uh, Justin, you can find him at Justin on Twitter as well. And uh, on Mixer, go ahead and start following some of his uh, his new single-player journeys, mixer.com slash jehufa. Uh, so, Justin, I'm going to end on a question here that I know you're going to love, and it's a question that Ashley asked me a couple days ago in uh, recording for the other podcast. Uh, and it's, uh, what's your favorite Christmas cookie? Ooh... Um, does it have to be Christmas cookie or can it be any cookie? Because I um, you have any cookie. The Christmas. whole idea is is that it's that's no that's true, but I mean um, if you just say chocolate chip, I'm gonna be upset. So I like no 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 no. So if it's Christmas, I do like a good sugar cookie in the shape of things with uh, <laughs> sprinkles of sugars it, on top. Does it taste better because it's shaped yeah, like Santa's face? Is that because it's, it's a tree or something? <laughs> I'm eating Santa's uh, face. But I also very, very much like these things called chocolate nutty cookies that are like okay. uh, chocolate and peanut butter and oatmeal. And like you cook them on the stove and put them on parchment and they like solidify. They're so freaking 